James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of, the lo- of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We're running another Alpha course, and it's starting in a few weeks. It'll be online only. If you have not done it before, or if you are looking for a safe and engaging way to explore Christianity, or if you just need an encouraging refresher in what it means to be a Christian, then sign up through our website. Now, as a pastor, I'm always asking what happens next. What what do you do after a course like the Alpha course? Once you've been introduced to a relationship with Jesus, how do we grow in that relationship? How do we uh, learn to pray? How do we learn to understand the Bible? How do we uh, learn uh, what our gifts are and what our contribution to the life of the church will be? How do we live so that this radical trust that we've discovered in Jesus Christ actually works its way out into our daily lives. Or or to put it another way, what kind of discipleship course is going to achieve that? Now, as I was thinking about uh, these things, I realised that we were about to open the New Testament letter of James. Now, this was written by a man who grew up with Jesus, who opposed Jesus in his ministry, but who became a follower and worshipper of this same Jesus. Now, this is the man who led the first Christian church, the church in Jerusalem, uh, until his faith in Jesus as the Son of God cost him his life. 
And what James gives to the whole church, and, and he writes to the whole church, he calls us the 12 tribes scattered amongst the nations, the people of God in exile. What he writes to us is a discipleship course. And with his vivid and practical teaching, he tells us how to mature as Christians. But it is a discipleship course unlike any other that I've seen because it's countercultural. In Australia, and therefore in the Australian church, we, we have bought into the assumption that the only meaning or purpose we can have in life is the meaning that we give to it. And if we suffer, then that threatens our purpose and our happiness. Now, this idea that James lays out so boldly before us in his letter of using suffering is actually threatening to us because we want to minimise suffering. We want to anaesthetise it. We want to heal it or hide it, not embrace it. But James says here is the difference that knowing Jesus Christ makes. As we entrust ourselves to him, our suffering, our frustrations, our, our trials will not derail or destroy us. That will become temptations to do wrong but they will grow us. Now, this is achieved through one of the most unspectacular character traits known to humankind, perseverance, or what the older writers used to call constancy, the ability to stay the course, the ability to hold to your values, your faith, your integrity, through the long waiting that most kinds of struggle involve. Now, over time, by the power of God, this will let us move towards maturity. It will build our happiness and our joy in ways that I'll explain in a moment. And that's not because we never suffered or, or, or never struggled, but because when we did struggle, we did it in the company of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a challenging discipleship. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Now, by trials, by the word trials, James does not only mean uh, sufferings that belong to Christians, such as uh, persecution or, uh, say, experiencing uh, the grief that God feels over the wrongs that we see in this world. What he means by trials are the struggles that we all know from simply living. And some, especially the poor, face more of them per year of life than others do. Now, we're often told in our movies or maybe by our friends or in my case by my relatives that when we face struggles, that's the time to give up on faith in God as naive and then to go and work out our own lives. Now, the argument is simple, but it's also really ugly. Basically, uh, they've been saying uh, you're struggling. God's obviously absent or uninterested. So uh, you should take up distractions or temptations that move you away from the way that God would have us live. Now, that's the way it's been put to me. 
Oh, they obviously don't matter to God because I have struggles. So why should he matter to me? You know, take that God. Now, for a Christian, that would mean giving up on our integrity. It would mean giving up our constancy, our perseverance in trusting God to do something merely to please our desires because basically what does it matter anyway? And so James says in verse 14 of chapter 1, but each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. See, it's when we head down that path that our trials, our testing, flips over to become temptation. So the same thing, that with God's help, through perseverance, could grow us towards maturity in Christ, becomes the very thing that the devil uses as an opportunity to derail us, to put us on a path that's facing death rather than life. It's the same suffering, it's the same struggle, but how it works out in our lives depends upon our response. Uh, we either respond with giving in to our desires or we respond by persevering in living out practical trust in God. So in verse 16, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose us to give us new birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. So the letter of James is a high-stakes discipleship course. Either we are becoming less than what we're meant to be and moving into the shifting shadows, as James puts it, or under Christ, our suffering, our hardship, makes us more, not less, than what we're meant to be. And through perseverance, constancy, it leads us into maturity, that is, completion, as human beings. And that in turn leads us into happiness, or perhaps better translated for us, joy of being what we were meant for. So, how do we get this discipleship program to work? Answer, in the place of prayer. So in verses 5 to 8 of chapter 1, James writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should Ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. What pers That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and is unstable in all that they do. Um, so James says to us that God wants to give us the wisdom we need to help us persevere. And the method is to ask believing that he will answer and then do the wisdom you're given. Now, we probably need this reminder um, that what we have been learning from Proverbs and from Ecclesiastes and, and from the example of Esther is wisdom. It's not certainty. It's wisdom. It's not guarantee. It's therefore wisdom which requires trust in God to act. And whether this God-given wisdom works to solve our problem is not 
sometimes in our hands, but actually in God's hands, as Proverbs taught us. And, and, and even the best wisdom we, we've learnt is limited by uncertainty. Whether the tree falls to the north or to the south, where it falls, there it will lie. And who can tell? Ecclesiastes. But even if we get the wisdom to do the right thing in God's eyes, it still may mean that we suffer. Uh, Esther, if I perish, I perish. Now, and if you're like me, you're thinking, now, come on, hang on. It cannot be that simple. You know, my head is full of competing thoughts, uh, competing feelings about decisions uh, that we need to make. But especially when those decisions are made when we're facing tough times, heads and hearts can be full of confusion and indecision. And James calls this doubt. In fact, <laughs> the word he's used, it's so interesting. It literally means two-souled. And it is a brilliant, brilliant description of modern people because we are walking civil wars. Even when we know what's right or good inside, uh, there's this competing with a whole raft of desires and feelings and fears and habits and traditions. that We are conflicted selves. And internal conflict is nurtured by vested interests around us, basically because, you know, content, wise, peaceful people don't buy much stuff. But James says God in Jesus Christ is real. And he wants to respond to prayer for wisdom to endure our trials. So pray, receive, do, put aside the conflicted soul. That is the first step of trusting God. It'll be saying to him, I'm going to do the wisdom that you give me. And as we read further into his letter, when we get to chapter three, James very helpfully describes what wisdom from God looks like so we can recognize it when we've been given it. In chapter one, he is describing the effect of this wisdom. It gives us in the middle of struggle and suffering a take charge of your life moment. Stop being tossed around by indecision by emotions that shift with circumstance or how our blood sugar is going. Now, for me, uh, to trust God with the struggle, to learn how to endure, to wait, to do the long walk of faith in the same direction, my goodness, uh, that has discipled me more than any course or college or in-service training or book ever could. And bit by bit, I grow up, I mature, I move a little bit more towards completion, towards what I was made and saved by Jesus to be. Or in James' image in verse 18, I become more and more like a sacrificial offering of first fruits given over to God, the first fruits of the new creation growing in me through the suffering and the struggle of the old creation in my life. This is crazy, genius stuff. And the end of it, says James, is joy. And I know. You watch God over the longer term turn struggle or heartbreak 
into something brilliant, something I never expected. And I go, wow, look at that. It was really worth trusting. It was worth staying, of course. And the joy that comes from that, from that experience, from that realisation, man, it makes you tough. Not bitter tough, not suffering cynical about life tough, but joy tough, giving tough, godly tough, gentle tough, patient tough, persistent tough, loving tough. Because you know, you know, you know, you've seen it work out in the long game that God's got this. The reason, James, I think in verses 9 to 11 of chapter 1, addresses the problem of how wealthy people are welcomed and respected in churches while the poor are not honoured is because in ourselves he knows we want to buy maturity and meaning and joy without having to go through the spin cycle of suffering. We think those with resources can also purchase the intangible things that actually make life worth living. But he asks us not to be so shallow. Those things are not for sale. They exist only on the other side of enduring struggle and allowing God to grow us in Christ. And poor believers often know this better than the well-off ones. They know there is a kind of wealth that makes life worth living, the kind of wealth that endures, that the well-off, because we can so often be arrogant and we struggle less, we don't have access to. And it's why he tells us to honour the strugglers. They've got more opportunities for faith and growth than others. And that's why he tells us, those of us with resources, to realise there will come a time. In fact, it's already here, but we just often don't see it. When our resources won't matter. Because they can't buy us the kind of maturity and character we will need to face our own personal struggles. Now, in all this, there is a cross-shaped logic, isn't there? To what James says about how we are to address struggle and trial and suffering in our lives as Christians. In the cross of James's brother Jesus, God took the worst that organised humanity can be and, and he used it to open up an eternal future for us and, and for this creation that in itself longs to be remade. So with our trials... God uses the everyday hardships of this broken world to make us the first fruit of the world to come now. In Jesus Christ, our common human struggle becomes the path to our completion as men and women. So, seek God in prayer. Plead for his wisdom. Put aside by faith the civil war in your divided soul. Recognise that when you are given wisdom, the wisdom from above, that you should then do it. And later you will look back at those places, later you will look back at those times and you will see how the Lord has provided for you, how he has carried you, how he held you in unexpected ways that will 
probably only ever makes sense to you because our suffering is so unique and so distinctive to each of us. But God knows how to meet us there, exactly there. And maybe the suffering will not be taken away. But you will stay the course and you will experience the love of God that he has for you in Jesus and you will mature and you will become the first fruits of the next world, the world that's coming. And James says you will count everything that's happened, all that struggle, as a cause of pure joy.